Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 25 for Friday 5th November 2010. May the source be with you. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 25 today. Uh, we're starting an hour earlier in the UK because of the time zone difference. Um, but it's still me, it's pretty early over there in the, in the US, isn't it, Dan? Good morning. Good morning, Stuart. Yes, it's still 7am until uh, Sunday when the clocks change over here. We're a week behind you guys. It's the week of missed um, uh, meetings and conference calls this week. <laughs> I've been so late on so many of them. And it's really hard to go back to the four-hour difference. So... Uh, Hope hope it's sound okay today. We've had some IT issues once again, but hopefully we'll get through those. Yep, I think we'll be okay. You, you sound doable. Um, you, it's it, it's no Barry White this time, but we'll live with it. <laughs> okay, modern communications aren't they great? So let, let's kick off. We have a, a fabulous um, panel this week of experts from around the Lotus community. First of all, we'll start with uh, Maureen Leland. Hello, Maureen. Hello, welcome to everyone. Yeah, hello. It's great to have you on the podcast. Um, do you want to tell people what you do with IBM, what your role is? Let's see. Well, I'm the lead architect for Domino Designer, and I'm loving that role. And we've been working most recently on 853 and thinking forwards to next. So we're having a lot of fun there and hope to talk about some of that today. Excellent. Well, there's some exciting news uh, surrounding Designer this week uh, and OpenNTF2. So it's great to have you on to talk about that. Um, and with the topic on OpenNTF, let's introduce Bruce Elgort. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Stuart, Darren, Sean, and Maureen. Good morning. It's fabulous to have you on the podcast, particularly given the early hour where you are. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Yeah. Committed guys, great to have you on. So, obviously, you have involvement with OpenNTF. You also have your own company. Do you want to introduce yourself to uh, our listeners? Sure. Uh, my name is Bruce Elgort, and um, I started a company a couple of years ago called uh, Elguji Software, and I'm also a co-founder of OpenNTF. Uh, that uh, Nathan Freeman and I started in 2001. Right. I also do a, to- a podcast too. Yeah, we, we mentioned it several times on this one. Taking notes. How long have you been going with that now? It's actually going to be five years, November 5th. Is that today? Yes, congratulations. Today. Yeah, that's that's today. It's uh, 124 episodes over five years with Julian Robichaud. So uh, you guys are catching up, so we, we need to do more episodes. <laughs> you do indeed. Okay, also on with us today, um, we have Sean Cole. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Good morning. Do you want to tell our audience uh, what you do? Um, yeah, I'm Sean Cole. I run a notes development shop. So I was an engineer in industry for 10 years. I, and then uh, about 10 years ago, started Focal. And we do collaborative solutions uh, for industry in notes, domino, and now in pages. Brilliant. Okay. It's, it's great to have you on the podcast. I think you're on episode four. So you're back for a second go. So thanks for coming back on to, to speak with us today. You're welcome. And fin- finally, around the table, we have... Um, one of the product managers at IBM and uh, looking up social software, we have Luis Benitez. Good morning, Luis. 
Good morning, Stuart and everybody. Yeah, great to have you on. Do you want to tell us about your role? Because last time we spoke to you, I think you were starting that very day in, in this new role. So do you want to tell people uh, what you do and how it's going so far? Uh, yeah, so like you said, I'm one of the product managers in the social software space, which covers both uh, connections and uh, and quicker. Um, I've been working very heavily on, on the connections next launch, which is happening very, 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 very soon. And uh, I'm also working on the quicker domino planning for for next year. So kind of reviewing the requirements with customers and prioritizing and so forth. So that's what I've been working for, um, on. And I've been loving it. It's been great. It's been really exciting, a lot of work, and and you know, I can't wait to keep doing it. Wonderful. Okay, well, thanks for joining us today. So as usual uh, on the podcast, we have a list of news articles from around the community this week. We're going to work our way through them with the main focus to be on development uh, today. So let's kick start with a news article that came almost out of the blue early on this week over on the OpenNTF blog, which was the announcement of a plugin for Domino Designer to uh, allow source control. So Maureen, do you want to kick us with that? What, what is this new tool and what does it give us? This tool is a plugin to Designer and it allows you to interface with any source control product that happens to have an Eclipse plugin. Um, one of the things I've been noticing in the blogs and, and tweets and everything as they come out is some, and it's sort of um, part of the wording of the OpenNTF title was perhaps a little misleading. It's not just for SVN. Um, so this, plugin lets you bridge the gap between Domino Designer and any source control system that will run in Eclipse. Now, when we first put Designer into Eclipse, we had this magic hope that everything would just work and these things would work without our doing anything. But that turned out not to be true because most of those source control products look at a virtual file system and say, eek, what's that? Um, and promptly roll over and do something like only put two or three files in or something. So we have to step in. Um, so what we're doing is synchronizing an NSF in our virtual file system with a physical project in the Eclipse workspace. So really that's all designer, that, that's all we had to code effectively, all in quotation marks, because that actually is a fair bit of work. And you can set this up so that your NSF will go to this physical project, and then it's between you and your source control system, which might be SVN, and we probably mentioned SVN just because that's the one we happen to be working with and testing with at the moment. Um, but truly, we are agnostic to the different source control products. Um, we, we've been working on it for quite a while. Um, a lot of actually during 8.5.2, we were doing development on this. It is slated to go into the product as soon as we can, um, hopefully in the 8.5x timeframe. Um, I, you know, I can't leak, I can't officially say when it will come out, except that we're working on it very hard and hope to finish it reasonably soon. Um, Morning, as a, as a developer, and I'm really, really intrigued with this. It's very, very exciting. But what would be like a real-world example of of the benefit this would give me as a as a Nubs developer day to day, not having used SVN or anything similar before? Well, I think there's two main use cases. So, and it 
will probably depend on whether you work in a team or whether you work off on your own. So for someone who works on their own, it's a great way of like version control. You know, I want to checkpoint my work. So when you have this, this synchronization going on within NSF, you can choose when you will upload, when you will synchronize the physical project with your source control system. So one very simple use case is I'm shipping, you know, I work all by myself, but I'm about to ship release one or 1.5 of my product. And I want to effectively, you know, lock that down, make an image of it in Subversion or CVS or whoever. A second more interesting version is if you work in a team. And in that case, you would be, say you and I were working together on a project. We would both be working on our own NSF databases and our own copy of designer, but we would be synchronizing our changes through, uh, I'll say SVN just because I'm used to saying it, mm-hmm. through an SVN repository project for that particular NSF. So we would each in the morning or whenever, you know, bring down the latest version and we would check in our changes when we were finished with them. So, which brings up probably, I bet your next question is about what happens if we change the same X page. Yes. Yeah, does it do clash detection or anything like that? Um, well, to a designer, in the synchronization, we do have some clash dis- detection, which theoretically that shouldn't happen much. Um, and it doesn't happen much between designer and synchronization. Mostly where if you change an X page and I change an X page, most of those differences should be handled between the physical project and the source code code repository itself. So when you go to um, rebase, resync your physical project, you may get a collision at that point and you would use whatever source control products merge tools are available to do that merge. Right, sounds exciting. Looking forward to trying it. Yeah. Have you seen any from customers um, to have some kind of source control system for designer? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, well, I started working on designer in 4.6, and it has been on our list since then. Um, it was very difficult to do, obviously. Um, prior to going into Eclipse, we would have had to actually write the source control system pretty much. Um, but now that we're in Eclipse, we at least can be, you know, saved from that just, but just by being able to leverage something like Subversion. And so this has been a longstanding request. DXL for a while was a, an impediment because DXL, even today, does not yet 100% round trip, although it is getting better. And we have mitigated that in Designer uh, by controlling what kind of artifacts we actually put in the on-disk project, which then turn go to the source control system. So we actually handle design elements like X pages differently from design elements like forms and views. So for forms and views, we will use the DXL. 
And for X pages, we will use the actual file content because the file content is exactly what you would expect and what you can easily merge. With forms and views, you have a choice of the kind of DXL you want to use. And we have a preference. And just for safety's sake, we default it to the binary DXL. If you know your application very well, you can turn off the binary and go to a text-based DXL of your form, which would give you more interesting merge conflicts, but would at the moment open you up to round trip issues. So it's, it's kind of a matter of knowing your application, whether you step back from the binary format or not. And, and so just to clarify, Maureen, this is, this, this source controls an entire NSF or, or NTF for want of a better word, not just individual design elements, but the entire thing. So like you said, it forms, X pages, I guess views, um, frame sets, everything can be, can be source controlled, right? Absolutely. That is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. We've been working pretty hard on it. I hope everybody thinks it's cool. And, and just to clarify a couple of items here, I, I saw a couple of tweets yesterday when this was going around saying it was only for subversion. And, and just to clarify, it's any source control mechanism that plugs into Eclipse. Is that a correct statement? That's absolutely correct. Okay. Um, so that would include things like CVS, I guess, um, Visual source safe as well. If that's is that still around? Um, but if it is, I guess that that will be in there. Actually, Microsoft Team Foundation Studio. I, I think pe more people use that than source safe. I'm okay. not sure, but they do have an Eclipse plugin. I mean, we'd obviously prefer you use Rational, um, but um, and, it's and, your choice. And that was going to be my ne my next question. I, I guess you know because because Rational also has plugins to that. Um, we we can have an end-to-end -end source control via all of the IBM tools, then correct? Um, at some, we're still working on the integration with Rational. Oddly enough, um, there are that was another case where we thought it would just work, and <laughs> we are working with a Rational engineer, and it's our fault um, because designers Eclipse is almost normal, but not quite. And it has to do with the kind of installation that Rational expects. We don't quite support, um, but we're working very closely with the engineer over there because we both want to make this work. And I, I expect that to be successful um, you know, before we actually ship this in the product. But today with what's on OpenNTF, you would not be successful with Rational. And, and so let me ask a, a kind of a forward-looking statement here. Um, you know, it's 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 no secret that round-trip DXL, you know, has been getting better over the years. As you just said, it's still not perfect. Is is a plan now to maybe enhance round-trip DXLing so that we can move the XML up and down and do some far more interesting diffs and merges than we can on binary? Is the plan. Well, that's not... Actually, that's not work done within the designer team. It is work the designer team would like to see happen. Um, so we are certainly lobbying for that. Um, there is some work going on. What I, I can't really give any time frame on when it will you know, be complete enough for you to do that with confidence. Um, don't, don't, yes. don't worry, you're among friends. No one listens to this. She can tell us. <laughs> 
it's obviously and, and, something we lobby for, but um, but we don't know the answer yet on when. I mean, it, that's the truth. I I don't know when it'll be ready. Okay, so so Maureen, what what was the reason for shipping this via OpenNTS rather than it just coming in the normal development cycle for the next release of, of notes? Well, some of it is we're kind of selfish because we'd love the feedback, um, and another is just to get it out there sooner. The extension library has been one, actually one of our earliest com customers. They've been using this, I mean, because a lot of those developers are inside IBM. And the feedback from that effort has been tremendous. So if we can get more customers, more people using it, we'll be able to make what we put in the final product even better. So that that's the main reason. And like, why should you have to wait? Um, I mean, we do have, I mean, one of the things we're working on still is the UI for this. So the UI you will see in the OpenNTF version is very, very rudimentary, um, was not blessed by our UI designer. Um, you know, to actually get this in the product, we're doing some pretty dialogues. We're doing some things to make the entire process make more sense. On the other hand, you can be successful without a pretty UI. So if someone, if this will help someone in the meantime, why not? It, I think it helps everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, a, a nice UI would help. And I think releasing it to OpenNTF, I think, was a, a stroke of genius. It's, it's good to see IBM doing this more and more before it gets rolled back in the product. So, you know, we, we get to see a little bit of crack rock before we get the full kind of force of the uh of of, 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 of feeling um i i would suggest though that, that ibm maybe maybe take a a thing out of microsoft's um palette of tools and that is to start using code words for these releases just to get everyone excited and and, and start people on twitter and and my, my recommendation for the first part of this is advark and then the next one is marmalade yeah, <laughs> Darren, I was going to suggest those same two code words. Thanks, that. So, Bruce, while you're on, um, you obviously develop an award-winning app for, for Domino that um, you develop across geographies. You know, you work with Matt White in the UK. Can you imagine this kind of sourcing code making a big difference to your development process? You, you bet, Stuart. And and the the sheer fact that IBM, going back to the uh, IBM involvement in OpenNTF, the sheer fact that Within the last uh, less than two years, IBM has not only been a member of the OpenNTF Alliance, but as I read in the blogosphere somewhere, they are contributing a heck of a lot of code and other resources to the enablement of developers uh, around the globe to you know get things out there uh, quicker and sooner. Uh, so we don't have to wait for the, the GA release. So yeah, it, it, it'll definitely help. I mean, we have our own source control that we're using that's, uh, you know, just, um, how would you say it? Uh, maybe anti-disestablishment, but it, it works for us. It's copy and paste, right? <laughs> no, no, it, it's a lot different than that. It's a series of notes databases that we had gotten from an IBMer a long time ago, but we won't go there. Okay, and and one one last question for me, Maureen, is uh, I assume you can sort of apply this per database or per project. So it's something that you know we, we a developer could be testing today on on a test database or something, and then roll out across the rest of their their suite of applications at a later stage. 
Apps, yes, definitely. It's per database. You can have only one of a hundred, or you can have ninety-nine out of a hundred, or all of them. It's it's really you you opt into this kind of synchronization on a database. You actually have to create the on-disk project. You have to create the association. Otherwise, everything you know, if you haven't done that, it's designer as usual. Okay, tremendous. I, I think this is going to be a really big move. I mean, I'm, I'm not a developer myself, but it seems to be something that people have been crying out for for a good number of years, and it's awesome. It's, it's now out there and freely available. So great job on everybody that's been involved in, in developing that. And, and staying, staying with um, the development process, uh, Bruce, you've been involved in uh, developing a new site. We've mentioned it uh, last week, I think, on the podcast, xpages.info. So do you want to tell us uh, where, where's this come from and uh, who's been involved in getting that out there? Yeah, sure, Stuart. Uh, xpages.info uh, was the idea of the OpenNTF Alliance to create better enablement. I'm sounding like, like an IBMer now. Better ena xpages enablement for the development community without having to, let's just say, go through a long-winded process to get something up on the IBM site with a really long and, um, <laughs> how would you say it, complex URL. So uh, Nicholas Heideloff leaded the charge, and a couple of us worked on the site, and we continue to work on it. In fact, Stuart, ne early next week, you're going to see some new stuff be posted there that's going to uh, make it easier, even easier for people to get started with uh, X pages. And I can't give it away. Nicholas said I, I was not allowed to talk about it at this time. But we've really seen uh, a lot of hits on the site, a lot of feedback via the uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know, everything LinkedIn. And there was no go-to place for everything X pages. You know, we all know that documentation has been lacking, example applications have been lacking, and all this, all this other stuff. The works of David Leedy with Note 9, John Mackey's blog, Declan Lynch's applications, uh, TLCC's video series, Matt White's video series, there's all these various pieces scattered around, but there's not one place that ties them all together, and that's the uh, the goal of xpages.info. Literally, if you're new to xpages and you don't even know what it is, you could learn how to get started, where to download Domino Designer, how to get configured with a, um, you know, a Domino server, whether it be in the cloud or, or download, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So we're really happy. Again, the OpenNTF Alliance, uh, has put it together and backs it and supports it. Wonderful. And it is, it is a great sort of aggregation site, really, for all, all the stuff that's going on in the um, in the community around XPages. I just had a look today, and, and Sean, your your latest blog post about your XPages product is already up on the xpages.info site. So it, it must be a great place for you as a developer to be able to go and get all the information you need to, to help you with the development. I, I think it's fantastic, and it, it's an odd one, really, because Bruce mentioned there that, you know, there are frustrations around the documentation, and one of the things that struck me on a, during a blog post last night was, it's funny in that th there is actually a huge amount of IBM-generated stuff out there, and yet we do, in terms of all the wikis and everything else, and yet there's a frustration that we can't get to the nub of it sometimes, and that's the beauty of, of xpages.info. It, it's it's very direct. It takes you to exactly the initial steps you need to do to get into xpages. And while there's some wonderful stuff in the wikis, to be honest, they're becoming really too big and sprawling. And and I think this is exactly what is needed. It's brilliant. And it's just started. I mean, it's only been you know on the air for for a week or two, 
and we have a lot of plans for it. I mean, there's a lot of dedicated people within the OpenNTF Alliance and OpenNTF Alliance members and so forth who are going to help shape and guide the site. In fact, even people like David Leedy uh, have helped out providing the domain and so forth. So it's uh, it's going to grow into something uh, in the community that's uh, going to be the go-to place for everything XPages. Wonderful. And on the topic of, of XPages, again, uh, it's been a, an interesting discussion on Jake Howlett's blog on Codestore.net about uh, the benefits or otherwise of going to XPages for web development. Uh, his assumption is that XPages is quite a heavyweight environment for public-facing websites uh, and with, with a lot of JavaScript downloads and so on. Um, Darren, have you been reading that thread? Have you got any feel, feeling on, that, on whether that's the case? Um uh, yeah, I did follow the thread. Um, I wrote a long response, but actually ended up deleting it. And and, and there's a reason behind that is um, what what Jake has has kind of alluded to, I, I think is true. But I don't think it's something you can squarely point at, at, at X pages. I think it's more of a I'm an old school Java guy, so you know when when Java came around, it was a bit heavyweight. Then JSPs came out. And and what is can what, what can, seems to be the crux of a problem is two two issues. One is the initial compile time of a page, and the second is is the CSS and JS pages. So the first thing is actually how most modern development environments for the web work is the page's source code until the first time it's ever accessed when the server is rebooted or started. So you can't really square that at X pages. That's that's a Java problem, which is a JSP problem, which is a JSF problem, which is hence a serverlet problem and hence a X pages problem. Um, as, as far as the, the CSS and the JavaScript pages, I, I think he has a point, and I believe it was Sean who's on the call had also said he thought it was a bit slow in the client in, in, in Jake's post, and I do agree with that. It really does seem to be the speed in the client seems to be a substantial lag behind the speed in the web. And I'm I'm wondering if that's some kind of caching mechanism that maybe the, the notes client hasn't got yet. I think that's a, that's a really important issue because, you know, the whole beauty of XPages is that we can do this design once and it works in the client or on the web. And unless there was a really compelling reason to it at the minute, I'd be very reluctant to advise a, a, a um, customer to use the notes client for XPages because the startup time and then the general response time is just too slow, even on local replicas. It's 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 not it's not good enough, really. Yeah, I think it's it, it, there's there's some work to be done there. Now, you know, it's the X pages X pages itself, as far as Domino goes, is, is still a 0.02 release, right, in real terms. So I think all a lot of the performance issues on the web have been addressed over the last two point releases. Uh, hopefully, some of that work will go go back into the client. But I think I think Jake has a point. And there was a big conversation on, you know, okay, some of these modern IDEs break, abstract out the design elements so that there is so many different JavaScript libraries that they have a point. But, you know, one, one of the benefits, I think, of this model is then you can you can take all the bits of Dojo, for instance, you want, put them in one JavaScript library, then only send one JavaScript library down to the client. Um, now, there, there are some things that have been done on the server. And I need to do some testing to see if this is true. But you know, we, we've got GZ GZIP compression, and it can be enabled. It's not enabled by default, but it can be enabled on a Domino server that will GZIP the files, the static files that never change, which one would think would be the Dojo files. So if we can get them smaller, and you know, GZIP on a on a text file is going to be 
you know, anywhere between 15% and 75% smaller. So getting these smaller might help. I still think the count needs to be addressed, but I think that's a per X page application specific thing uh, because, you know, you don't know what Dojo elements you need until you've probably designed the application. Maureen, was there not work done in 8.5.2 to consolidate some of these downloads? Um, let's see. Well, there was, there certainly has been a lot of performance work on X pages through both, both point releases, as Darren has said. Um, whether the con downloads were consolidated, I actually don't know. Um, I should know, but I don't know. But there are some application properties. There was one property added, I think it was, I can't remember if it was 851 or 852. It's all kind of blurring together. Um, where you can actually control the serialization of the page. So you can decide whether you're keeping it in memory or in disk. And all of these things, you know, can tune your performance. There are also some application properties that will, that will let you set cache times for your CSS, your images, your JavaScript. So you can tune a lot of this yourself, but I mean, the team is working very hard about, on performance because I mean, it's, it's very important. Um, I think like, I, I do, you know, I, I do agree with elements of what Jake has said. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's not suitable for public websites or, or but uh, like we have just launched, a, you know, a website, a, a proper X pages product. And it's something that I've been wanting to do for years and years. And, you know, I remember back in 2002, the first time I ever managed to get something to show on Internet Explorer and on the Domino forum. And that just blew my socks away. And I thought, wow, this is brilliant. We're really going to do some stuff with this. But it was a bit of a false start because the cost of doing dual development for both clients and, and, and the browser really meant that a lot of customers really weren't interested in it. And then XPages came along and it was a very bumpy start with 8.5.0. Um, but with 8.5.2, you know, it, it, it's still hard work, but it's, it's absolutely doable. And, and this product that we've just done, and, um, you know, I can't, we couldn't have done it without XPages. Um, and I really struggle to see how we would have done it in other web development languages as cost effective as effectively as we have done. So I think there, you know, the X pages I think is fantastic, but I do take Jake's points, um, you know, that that uh, it is very slow to start at first. And and one of the things not not to lose sight of here is is usually one of the facets of an application development lifecycle. And sorry, my software engineering geek is escaping in me. Is is you know you develop the application as per the requirements. Then you look at the performance and you go back and you maybe address the performance. This is true for any software development application, not, not just X pages. And, and I think once you have the application built, it's a lot easier to go back and, and, and make it faster than it is to try and build speed at the, at, at the front end and lose functionality when you're trying to build it because you, you want to keep everything to be just straight static HTML. So like, like Sean says, I think it's a, at the beginning, it's a trade-off. Do I want ease of development and cost effectiveness, or do I want super fast straight out of the gate? Well, if you want super fast, just do everything in straight HTML. Mm. And this is probably where 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 Bruce can speak because the El Gucci site is an X pages site and screams when you load it in a browser. Yeah, and one thing that I just read Jake's article, and I Jake, uh, uh, I'm not upset. I think you you asked if I was upset. Not at all, because. Uh, first of all, the like IQ Jam product we sell uh, sells uh, sold to you know 
lots of companies who run it behind the firewall. So no one in that organization really has ever complained, okay, that our IQJAM software, or for that matter, IdeaJam, the XPages implementation of it, runs any slower or faster than that what they would expect. So, I mean, we're purists in a lot of ways. You know, we dig in, we, we throw open Firebug or the Chrome developer tools and all this stuff. And yeah, it, it, there's a balance. You know, we wanted to write code that we could sell. Granted, we could probably sit there and refine and refine and refine and refine, but that comes at a cost, and that cost is not having a product on the market, much the same way that IBM is throwing stuff on OpenNTF.org just to get it out there and you know reiterate through the code again and again. A lot of the products that we have developed in XPages, right, have been have been done all, all within the last well since the inception or before XPages was even launched as a as a product. So as Darren indicated, right, we built the Elguji site, right. It's a website. It's public facing. And other than when we launched the Dojo Lightbox control on the IdeaJam page and the IQJam page. You know, it, it's it's pretty fast, and honestly, we have no complaints about our Google SEO or anything like that. Um, in fact, you guys know we were just named uh, as a Gartner Who's Who in idea management software. So obviously, people are finding us, and they there there was no mention of how slow uh, our products aren't. <laughs> That's great. And, and Sean, you briefly mentioned that you just launched a new XPages application. Do you want to just tell us what, what that is and, and why you wrote it in, in XPages? Okay. Sorry, we've traditionally been in a double niche, working with uh, companies in the, in the manufacturing and chemical sectors and people who already have a note infrastructure. And we wanted to do these kind of applications for other companies, but when we've looked at .NET and stuff, it's just been, been really, really expensive to do the same kinds of things as effectively. So um, the product basically manages risk assessments for managing change in chemical plants. We've done it in notes before, and we've actually sold it to a company, our, our lead company for the Sex Pages version. Our, they're an ex-notes company. They really don't want notes. They don't want Domino, but they're running this as a, a black box virtual appliance. The IT guys know it's Domino. The users manage it through the interface. They add new users to, to it and all the rest, all the things that, that you would do with a normal web application. Um, and really, they don't care whether sex pages or not, and it does the business, and they're really, really pleased with it. And we have managed to put it together in in a time that that's I think much faster than we could have done with .NET. So there's a demo if anybody wants to see at uh, deliverytoolkit.com. You can go there and, and and see a public demo of what it is that we've done. And 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 that's, I actually suggest that anyone that hasn't went and and read Jake's post and. The multitude, I think it's over 50 comments now that, that are out there. It's actually worth a good read because there's some some heavyweight domino people out there. Uh, you know, Nathan's commented out there, Chris Tui. Uh, I think I saw Matt White. I'm not sure if Matt White was out there. Uh, and then Jake himself, you know, uh, kind of duking it out on, on this. And it's, it's a very interesting conversation. Uh, and, and it actually gets down into how long the individual websites, you know, take to load. And. Uh, you know, I think it's a fascinating read that, that some people are on the fence and saying, well, X pages are for internal. You know, some people are saying, well, X pages is for, for anything. Uh, and I think it just depends on, on where, where your comfort level is and how much, how much effort you want to put in to optimizing the download of the application later on at, at the expense of either functionality or security. So, you know, I think it's an interesting read. Go read it. Excellent. 
excellent. Um, yeah, it's, it's fabulous that there's so much emphasis on development this week in the in the blogosphere, really, because you know, we've had these discussions over the last few months, really, about the future of Domino's development platform. And clearly, there's a lot of work going on inside IBM, within partners, within the open NTS community. And there's no doubt it's a very vibrant community at the moment. So that's great that we have that going on. Um, Another announcement that's been made in the last couple of weeks uh, was the, the new release of Cognos BI, um, which which has garnered an awful lot of news uh, press. It was released at the IOD conference. Uh, a lot of press about the social aspect of that. They, they bundled loads of connections with um, the BI product. Uh, and Luis, we have you on today to, to talk through this. So, I mean, what's what's been your feedback from the announcement? Has it, has it been a big thing within uh, the, the connections community? It's it's been uh, really great. I mean, I've been monitoring the hashtags and the, the Twitter feed and just the comments that are coming from the you know community and and what people were saying at the IBM booth um, or at the uh, I guess at, at the connections booth over at the conference, and, and people are very excited. They're they're uh, you know they're they're kind of like seeing the lights. Like, oh, you know, this makes sense. This is something that is going to add a lot of value, and. Uh, I guess I heard also some comments as to why wasn't this done earlier. So, uh, so you know, we're glad that, that we're providing this, and I, I think from what I understand, it's you know we're kind of like the only company that's kind of combining business and analytics with a, a social collaboration component. So, uh, I'm really glad to be innovating here and to be you know first first to market with this capability. And it certainly seems like there's sort of a, a you know, cross contamination, if you like, of, of uh, technologies. A lot of the demos that were uh, issued when, when the announcement was made were very much about uh, a Cognos user seeing an issue in their in their BI environment, seeing some kind of business process issue, and then going off and using the social network to help solve it, whether it's an activity or a you know a community type type uh, interaction. Whereas there's been a lot of news this week about um, sort of social everywhere and using analytics to understand more about your social network. So I, I guess. It's going to be a two-way flow there, isn't there? Both, you know, towards the social network and also from the social network into the rest of your environment. Right. So, and, and so this this goes along what Jeff Schick announced with our Lotus Sphere, which is our social everywhere um, strategy, and, and just making sure that we, we can easily embed, you know, social collaboration into existing business processes. And so, what happens with this integration is, you know, you're in Cognos, you you're seeing something that's that's bad or something that's about to happen that's really bad, you've seen trends that you, you don't want to see. And so right from within the Cognos interface, you can create an activity and you know create a, a team to, to work and attack the, the issue or the problem that, 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 that may be highlighted in, in Cognos. So from the Cognos dashboard, you can create an activity, you can, um, you know, of course, base it out of a template. So if you already have an activity template that says, you know, how to, uh, how to address, you know, X, Y, or Z, uh, you can just use that template, um, create, the, create the activity, and then, you know, start working on it. And then you can also, you know, see and interact with your activities directly from the Cognos interface, uh, which is very nice. And then if you need, you know, kind of like more collaboration around it, then you can just jump into the uh, into the connections interface and uh, and then use communities or use a wiki or a blog or, or whatever the case may be, and then kind of like what you said in, in the two way street. So you can also use Cognos to create reports on perhaps adoption. So uh, a, a lot of the 
questions that I get is, you know, how can we better visualize how people are are using the system? And so, um, one of my colleagues has already used Cutnose to to create some very nice looking reports on on adoption, which are very nice. And I'm hoping to uh, to you know share some instructions and uh, and hopefully a video too as part of video fest that shows how to use Cutnose to um, to create this very sexy reports, if you will. One thing interesting uh, about analytics and so forth, you know, look at Facebook. I mean, they are an analytics machine. You know, all the information that they have in there is nothing. You know, all the social graph information is nothing like anyone's really uh, used to their advantage like Facebook has. And the question I have, Luis, and, and, and for the podcast team here is when will users be able to use that data in a way that's not uh, how would you say it report like so it's natural it's built into the interface they can see you know like Twitter has trends you know what kind of trends do they want to keep an eye on and be alerted to and that's something I think we don't see uh, in some of the social software platforms yet yeah so um, with with connections 3.0 uh, we've done some of that so we've we've taken some of the analytics components that we've built with our team in in Haifa in Israel <clears throat> and so you you start seeing um, stuff such as people <clears throat> excuse me my voice is going away <clears throat> uh, you'll start seeing um, things where uh, connections is going to recommend colleagues you should know communities you should be following content you should be following uh, it's going to figure out um, how how two persons are connected to, the, to to each other, and and it's going to display that to the end user. And so we're hoping that you know some of these analytics that are introduced in in 3.0 are are really going to help drive adoption because you know with any social system, be it Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, at least personally, one of the challenges that I see is um, you know how do I filter the noise? You know how how do I go out and find the content or the people that I really want or that I'm really interested in. And so um, using social networking analysis and, and analytics, we're, we're now making that a lot easier uh, to the end user and exposing it you know, right there and then in, in the homepage of the, of the new UI. Wonderful. And it's going to be interesting to see how this um, develops over the next you know, few months. Given IBM is behind quite so many analytics companies at the moment, it'll be interesting to see how, where they get integrated into the rest of the latest portfolio over time. You mentioned Connection 3, Luis. I guess that's coming pretty soon now. It's very, very soon. I, I, like, I'm, we're even, well, let me, let me see if I can do the math in my head. I think, uh, how can I put this without revealing too much? Um, so let's just let's just put it this way, I guess. So I, I think we're we can start counting the hours now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's very soon. Um, so just stay tuned within the, the next. I'll say I don't know. Let's just put let's just say hours. <laughs> it's been revealed in a few uh, a few text news articles. So I'm sure people Google hard enough, they'll they'll find the information there. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a big one. <laughs> a big yeah. release next week. Yeah, I think, uh, and the other thing that I wanted to add, like, I, I don't know, I haven't heard too much from business partners, but at least from the Lotus sellers um, internally, they're very excited because, you know, now that we're, 
bundling connections with with God knows, that means that there's there's a huge upsell opportunity for for connections so pretty much every cognos customer that's out there whether they're a lotus shop or a microsoft shop or whatever shop um now has connections kind of seated in, in their enterprise so now it's it's kind of up to our business partners and our our lotus sellers to upsell the rest of the of the licenses for the entire organization and i think it's going to you know change the conversation that i used to hear where oh well this department already has sharepoint or this department already has social text or this department is i don't know it's just xyz so let's just go with that so now by you know by seeding it you know we're hoping that it'll it'll make it easier to uh to uh you know deploy across uh many organizations that are outside of the yellow bubble Louise, just, just on that, I work with some manufacturing companies. Are, are you talking about they have rights to connections in the cloud or are you looking at an on-premises install? Right, so when they install Cognos 10, they'll also be installing connections on-premise. So they'll be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have connections on-premise behind the firewall and it'll be, you know, fully licensed. You know, they'll have access to the connectors and all the, you know, connections capabilities. Um, for the people that are licensed for for Cognos, which is typically, I've heard I've heard various numbers, but I guess when a customer buys Cognos, they license anywhere between five to ten percent of the organization. So then that means that um, you know we we can upsell the rest of the ninety percent of the organization. That sounds then, pretty cool because I think one of the barriers to entry, or in my view, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but was I thought it was a very difficult install in terms of hardware and skills and such like. And so it sounds as though it is, should actually be quite straightforward. Yeah, um, I don't. To be honest, I don't know the technical details. I don't know if they made like a script or they made some sort of uh, scripted install so that when you install Cognos, somehow the connections install it is done uh, on the back end. Um, but 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 you know if it is then yeah then it's gonna make make, make it a lot easier for uh, for customers to to get started with with connections. Sean, connections you just need to have the right people doing it, mate. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so moving on to the next news article, uh, the nominations for the Lotus Awards, uh, what used to be the Beacon Awards, uh, announced or were open this week, sorry, uh, looking forward to Lotusphere 2011. Uh, there's plenty of new categories. We've got a link in the show notes to those. Um, something I was interested in asking, Bruce, you've obviously um, entered and also won Lotus Awards in the past. Is it definitely worth doing? Do you, you know, were, were the benefits of doing that uh, you know, more than the effort you put into uh, to nominate yourself for those? Interesting, uh, Stuart. The, the thing with the awards is uh, you have your customers really do all the work for you. Okay, so if you can get customers to fill out the forms that Lotus provides and you have some good stories to tell or they have some good stories to tell, then everyone should do it. I mean, um, it's it's been extremely beneficial to the business. It gives you some uh, additional credibility, um, especially for people in, you know, who, who are in the know about Lotus and so forth. I'll tell you one thing that it's something you don't want to ever overplay you know uh you can use the uh the the awards on your website for you know a certain amount of time and after that you need to deprecate them but again it's something that like personally we have here you know all the plaques and crystals and stuff like that and it's very it's a great reminder of of work you've done uh as a as a team as an individual and in particularly i'm very proud 
that Lotus has also, for the second year, is going to recognize um, an individual or, or a business partner with an open NTF, uh, open source award. I, let me just pull up the exact name. Does anyone have it in front of them? I've got it here, actually. Yeah, maximizing value with an open source solution. Right. Last year, there were two separate awards, one for a business partner and one for an individual. But this year, uh, Lotus decided to, to, uh, to combine those. So uh, I think it's a great idea. There's so many great applications that have been contributed over the last year. Uh, there are individuals, there are business partners, uh, again, who've developed really great apps. And many of those are, are, are very um, uh, award worthy. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people downloading apps from OpenNTF, you know, millions of page views a year. Uh, over 130,000 downloads of apps this year. So there's a lot of people using code that people in the Lotus community have posted out. So I encourage not only uh, people to contribute, uh, I mean, to get people to help them submit for an open NTF, oh, excuse me, for a Lotus award for the open source solution, but for those business partners out there who maybe haven't won in the past. I mean, in, in my little seat, in my little corner of the world, I get to see a lot of things that you know you just don't, don't read on the blogosphere. People uh, have these little uh, skunk works projects going on, and I, I highly encourage anyone to really get their products out on the market. There is a viable market for you know. Look at Sean's company. Look at El Guji. Look at uh, you know. There's tons and tons of ISVs out there who are writing great software for the Lotus platform. And the and the other thing, since I'm on a roll here. <laughs> is to just don't think about, you know, notes and domino and what you do. You know, connections is a huge market. And I'm going to say it, WebSphere is a huge market. Getting a company to integrate uh, their products, you know, whether it's IdeaJam, LinkJam, IQJam, you know, with things like WebSphere Portal or connections, that opens up totally new uh, avenues for revenue streams for companies. So think outside the notes and domino world when you can. Okay. And those nominations close in a lot of cases on November the 22nd, although some of them are a bit later in January too. Stuart, when is the OpenNTF one? Because that was later last year. Is it later this year? It is. It's January the 10th this year. Okay. So that's, uh, that you have some more time to get award stuff in. For everyone else, you said it's what, November 22nd? November the 22nd. There's some new awards too, Business Transformation, Transformation Through Cloud Computing, delivering an exceptional web experience, extending collaboration to mobile devices, and enabling innovation through social collaboration, which is one I'm particularly interested in. So there's definitely some, some good awards there, very topical um, sort of titles and subjects. So it's definitely something that people should be entering for. So that's great. Um, and next one on our list is a new website that opened just this week um, that Darren Adams of IBM UK um, has developed called notesiscool.com. Darren, have you had a chance to have a look at this? Uh, yeah, I, I saw I think you pretty much tweeted it as soon as it went live. So I don't know if you had any insider knowledge. Um, but I actually think it's a good idea. You know, it's showing little snippets of the Notes UI that, that, that a lot of people who are running five, six, or seven clients would never have seen. Uh, and I think it's worth getting out there. There's been more than one occasion where I've been to a customer where IT, the IT department was trying to hide the Notes 8 UI from people uh, as, as part of their super evil plan to migrate to another platform. 
Uh, and once once you show them the new UI, you know, a lot of the a lot of the people start wondering why don't we have this? And 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 so I think it's a a very good idea. Um, it looked a bit lightweight. I haven't been out there for a couple of days, but there wasn't a lot there. But what was there was actually pretty good quality. Stuart, are you going to come out with Domino is cool since X pages and everything else are cool? <laughs> well, obviously, I have a deep need to register new domains, but no, I have no plans <laughs> to do that. Um, Connectionsiscool.com would be good, but um, I'll, I'll leave that to other people to do. I think Darren's done a tremendous job in pulling that together. I think that the big thing is, is the showing the product. It's something that we've been yelling at IBM to do for a good long time, and, and he's really demonstrated that by pulling out the, the best features and, and documenting them in a very easy-to-understand, sort of user-focused way, that you can put together a pretty cohesive marketing kind of statement without spending a lot of money, without um, doing anything too techy. It's, it's a really good site. I'll tell you what I did see this week, and I thought it was brilliant. There's a little video, um, sort of animation thing for uh, Symphony 3, and that does a really good job of, you know, you could show it to people and they would come away from it thinking, wow, you know, that looks as competent as Office. It's full of showing the product. It's quite catchy. And it'd be lovely to see something like that done for Lotus Notes, because there was another one done for the, uh, the customer experience suite a few weeks ago, and that just left me totally baffled, whereas the Symphony one was really spot on. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it'd be great to see something like that for Lotus Notes as well. It, it would, but I think you, you you would struggle unless you broke it down into little modules, a bit like the guy that should use connections. I've never quite understood why there's not been, you know, the guy that should use Lotus Notes and, and, and it expand beyond the products. And, and it's strange because we talk to IBMers all the time about how to market some of the lesser known products. And the first thing we do is show them the guy that should have used connections. And they all like, where did this come from? And it's like IBM. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting that even internal to IBM, I don't think they're seeing the really successful, I wouldn't quite say viral, but, but almost to that point, videos that they have themselves out on YouTube. And, and, you know, it would be good if someone put a list together of all, all of the splendid IBM and, and even, you know, video, video fest or video jam, I think it's called video fest, right? Might, might, might go some way to, uh, rectifying that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with Sean. Some of them really baffle me. Some of them I think are excellent. And I think all of the excellent ones should be collated and sent around internal to the IBM product teams and said, look, these, these are being wildly successful and, and explain the products. Why don't you do something like this for your products? Mm. One thing that I wish Darren would take off his site, it says, let go of your perceptions. It's just like, why even put that? You know, It's just like you know, you're, you're bringing people back to that that perception. It's just like, here it is, here's the product, regardless of whether you, you think it, it sucks or not, uh, just here it is. Yes. So, sorry, Darren, I, I like the site. I just think you should let go of your perceptions of what people perceive your product to be. <laughs> <laughs> probably is, Darren, I think it probably is. Um, uh, so, you know, interesting to see where that one goes. I hope Darren keeps updating it from tweets he's, um, he's uh, sent out this week. It certainly sounds like they've got the whole list of features to get on there and uh, hopefully it'll develop over time. Um, next, I'm, I'm sure a subject dear to, to Darren Duke's heart, uh, given his previous history on this podcast, RIM have got an announcement for us just today, came out first thing this morning, that they are formally announcing the BlackBerry Enterprise Server Express software solution for Lotus Domino, which is free, free, free. So Darren, have you seen this announcement? I have. I think this was probably the worst kept secret from RIM in quite a while. Uh, I think it leaked out back in August or September from someone in Brazil about the release date was going to be sometime in November. Um, it, it's it's good to see. 
you know, it's it's long overdue. Um, they did release the equivalent product for Exchange back, I believe, in March, maybe May, one of the two. So it's been at least six months in, in the development cycle. Uh, I think it's good for the organizations who are in the market for a not expensive and not subject to the rim tax BlackBerry solution. I, I think from that standpoint, RIM probably had to do this. My guess is they probably didn't want to do this. You could still get the, the really crappy BlackBerry professional server, which RIM crippled on everybody if you, if you did enough digging on RIM's site. Uh, but it's, it's good to see, you know, it's, it's, it's going to allow the newer devices to have functionality that, that BPS wouldn't allow, like HTML email support. There are some things that will not work, uh, you know, same time, um, connections, um, uh, quicker clients. I'd be surprised if there's a lot of MDS synchronization in there. And uh, there's some things like BlackBerry Mobile Voice, but if you've got BlackBerry Mobile Voice, you don't mind dropping four grand on a Bez. Uh, so, you know, I think from, from a customer standpoint, it, it's pretty good. From a, from a RIM standpoint, I think they had to do it. From an IBM standpoint, I think it's very good news. Uh, because I was worried there for a while that after RIM dropped group-wise support for BES 5, you know, there is no BES 5 for group-wise for anyone still running that, then it might have showed a, a a public face of RIM, but we don't want to see where they said, well, you know what, there's no real SMB market for, for Domino, so we're not going to release BlackBerry Server Express. I'm glad they did, because that perception is wrong. Uh, so I think it's it's good for everybody they had to do it because Traveller was really spanking them. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of win-win, isn't it? In that I think IBM needed it to compete with Microsoft, and I think RIM certainly uses it to, to kind of stay, stay up with Traveller, um, which is becoming ever more important and um, used in the customers that I deal with. It's almost a de facto part of any Domino installation these days. Um, we, we've got uh, Jennifer Stevenson from BlackBerry coming on next week to, um, to talk through this, so we'll be asking her lots of questions about it. So if anybody does have any um, any questions or issues they want to bring up with the Bez Express announcement, we'll certainly put those to Jennifer next week. Sean, is BlackBerry something you come across it in your work life with your customers? Do, do an awful lot of customers have Bezes and, and Blackberries in their Domino environments? Yeah, no, they, they all pretty much do. It's not something we do. We stick very much to the development rather than the admin side. Um, we've seen some customers uh, looking at Traveller, and there's also customers beginning to ask about people with personal devices. So wanting to know, you know, how can they let people with personal devices come in and, and have their access to their inbox and their calendars and such like on sort of a, a almost like a no support basis. Here, you go to this URL your device will work with it. If you get into trouble, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but we'll, we can only give you limited help. And it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, the BlackBerry, I think it's a much superior service. And it's even simple things like I have a Nokia E72 and Traveller on that, it won't let me search the emails. So for instance, if you have, let's say like an e-booking reference or something and you want to search, you know, EasyJet or whatever it is, you can't do that. Or the other thing is, you know, you can't initiate uh, meetings with people from Traveller, or certainly I haven't found a way to. So I think they are quite different things. It's fantastic that we have Traveller, um, and it's great that we have, I guess, three things now. We have Traveller, we have this intermediate uh, BlackBerry product, and then there's obviously the full-blown one as well. And, and maybe one of the things to point out about BlackBerry Express is it allows people to attach devices 
without needing an enterprise plan. So your your biz, your BlackBerry internet service plan allows you to connect to an express server, which I think is good for from, from exactly what Sean said about the personal devices. I have a personal BlackBerry. Can I connect it? Well, now you can. And starting with device OS 6, you're going to have a wipe corporate data only function in Bears, just like we do today in uh, Traveler, iPhone, Android, etc. Okay, and uh, I see it's been very popular with the universities I work with. You know, they have a, a huge number of students that have their own Blackberries, even though most people think of them as corporate devices. An awful lot of, of youngsters do have them as kind of text devices, more than anything. And um, and this will allow them just to integrate them with, with no real extra cost to the university to do that. So I can see that being a really popular solution. Okay, next news item, uh, just a, a quick kind of footnote really, is that Lotus Foundation server appliances have been ended end of life this week. Um, they've been withdrawn from marketing. Uh, it's quite a, a shock to some people that have been uh, working with foundations in that we kind of tie the foundation software solution, the sort of uh, domino for SMB type environment to the, the actual uh, appliance, the dedicated server. The server hardware is going away now. There will still there will still be software solutions available. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, gets reacted to really amongst the foundations community, whether that's going to be a big issue for those companies that have bought into foundations. I think it's nothing short of shocking. Um, one of the best features of the hardware was the IDB, the integrated disk backup. Uh, and, and that's what really, really helped a lot of foundation appliances, you know, get get sold, the ones that did. Um, the, the fact that you have an all-in-one solution, you buy an extra hard drive, you pull out the hard drive once a week and you swap them and put them in a safe and you got a backup. Uh, I mean, it was it was nothing short of, of amazing that, 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 that piece of technology. And it's, it's a shame, you know, IBM have kind of killed the appliance. I would love to see the integrated backup technology start to make it into real X-series servers. I, I know they've got this whole smart cube thing going on, but I, I, you know, I'd be surprised if any of the old Nifix or foundation partners are going to buy into to smart cube after what they've done here. I think it's probably a sign, um, you know, I've been in some briefings lately, which I can't talk about here, but certainly it's, it sounds as if IBM is moving to a more um, sort of open option for these appliances where, where they're going to support other people's hardware as well. So I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. And I, I agree with you that the technology involved in that instant backup solution is really great. But I think there are other solutions out there that are more generic or, or open for doing that kind of thing. Um, you know, snapshotting on VMware, for example, is it, kind of a, a similar way of dealing with that problem. So it'll be interesting to see as IBM rolls out these other appliances whether that sort of takes on uh, foundations. While, while Luis is on the call, something I, I've been querying for a long time is whether we'll ever see quicker and connections on that kind of foundation platform. Uh, it, Luis, obviously, I, I, I won't ask you the direct question, but I mean, do, do you see SMBs wanting something that's sort of easier to deploy, easier to manage in that kind of social software space? I think so. I mean, especially, so given where I live, which is, uh, you know, Puerto Rico, and here we have, a, you know, it's pretty much SMBs everywhere. And as I go out and talk to customers, you know, they're very limited on resources, but very needy on collaboration capabilities. Um, so I, I think it's something that I would definitely like to investigate, um, you know, how, you know, how can we make it easier to build, you know, collaborations in a box and make it, a, you know, a simple plug and play for our customers. So uh, I think it's something that is very valuable. Uh, 
just have to figure out the right approach and the right way to, to give it to customers. I have a suggestion. Bring it. One, make quicker work with internet site documents, and two, give me an express version of Extranet. Sure, you've asked that one before. I think we're going to have to make that statement at later stage and see whether we get a formal response from somebody. So uh, one, one last thing we're going to cover this week before we move on to our tips is there's a rather large user group conference happening this week coming in uh, Northern Ireland. It's iLove 2010. Uh, I think a couple of the people on this call are at the conference. Maureen, I think you're speaking there? I am. I'm going to be talking about, you guessed it, Domino Designer. Great. What, what's your... Yeah, what, what's your precise topic you're going to be covering? Is it sort of the latest stuff in, in designer? Yeah, I'll be reviewing the new things in 8.5.2, but then I'm also going to be showing some of the current things we're working on, including the source control enablement. So everyone should be able to get a good Ooh. look at it right now. Definitely not one to be missed. And Sean, you're, you're going to be attending, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to be attending and, and doing a case study, presenting a case study of some work we've done with ABB, which should be uh, really interesting. So looking forward to it. Brilliant. And Bruce, you're not there this year, are you? But you've attended previous ILUX. Yeah, it's it's one of the uh, best um, conferences I've, I've been to. Um, it's a long way for us to travel, and we uh, uh, fortunately have business. Uh, so, uh, how would you say it? In a, in a, in a uh, we, 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 we have work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's good, and uh, and we really uh, wish we could be there. Matt will be there. Excellent. Then our presence will be there. I, I would certainly love to be there. I was registered this year, but I've had to unregister again for, for business-related purposes. But it, it's it's a tremendous conference, probably the the most um, wonderful example of where the social and the business come together. You know, it's a tremendous way to learn about social technology and, and a way to meet people in the community uh, and also have a fantastic time doing it. Um, and I know they've got some fairly special things lined up for this week in terms of tours of Belfast and, and uh, free beer, I think, it is on the menu again for Mr. Novak. So, uh, so there's plenty going on there. And that's something to look out for. It's November the 10th to the 12th in Belfast. We'll have Paul Mooney on in the next couple of weeks to uh, give us a review of what's been going on there too. So um, that's our list of, of topics for this week. Uh, as usual, we go around the table and just ask people for a tip, um, a, a suggestion they can pass on to you, the listener, in terms of a site, a technology, a feature, or something that you can use in your daily work. So Sean, how about we start with you? What's your tip for this week? Um, if you are doing next pages development, you know you can go with whatever style sheet framework that you want to. But the one that we have stuck with is the IBM UI V2, and there's a fantastic demo site that shows you what is possible to do with that, and uh, it really is worth looking at for a next page developer. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. And Bruce, what's your tip? I have three tips. Keeping in the spirit of podcast, um, there's a friend of mine who does a, a podcast. His name is Ken Ray. For those of you who don't listen, he has three podcasts. He has at, uh, well, at Mac OS Ken. He's got Mac OS Ken. So if you go to macosken.com or on iTunes, Mac OS Ken. He's got Mac OS Ken Live, which is a live call-in show that he does on Wednesday night. It's It's been a real smashing hit. And then he does a paid uh, for a podcast where it's, I think, $10 a month for something called Mac OS Ken Day 6 where he interviews people like myself uh, and other people around uh, about um, certain topics um, that are a little more meaty and juicy than just the run-of-the-mill uh, daily Mac news. So uh, macosken.com. 
and I, I can vouch for that podcast as one that's on my iTunes subscription list. And it, it's a fabulous way to get up to date with the um, with the Mac news of the day, and it really is a, a daily show uh, about sort of ten minutes, quarter of an hour in length, and a fabulous uh, episode. Uh, and a real sort of god of podcasting to look up to, too. Uh, Luis, what's your tip for this week? So I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but um, one thing that I found very useful is on the Lotus Live iPhone app, um, as you're going through a presentation and if the speaker is going too fast, you can actually go back on slides without the speaker knowing it. Like uh, the end user actually has the control to move backwards and, and go to any slide they want. You, you can't move forward beyond what, uh, what, you know, what the speaker is going through, but you can definitely go back if you, if you want to you know, take a look at, at a slide for a couple more seconds or minutes or whatever. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Okay, great. And it'd be interesting whether they bring that um, technology into the, into the web app, because it's certainly something I would love to do on some of the uh, calls that I'm on, is to go back through the previous slides. Definitely, yep. Okay, uh, and Maureen, uh, do you have a tip for us, maybe something on designer? I do. Um, I think I've, one of the things I've been encouraging people is to remember designer really is Eclipse now, and there's a lot of hidden power in Eclipse. And oftentimes when someone will come up and ask me a question, it's like, uh, one recent one I got actually at NL Log was, you know, searches go through my whole workspace. It just, how can I narrow my searches? And you, it's really just a matter of looking at the Eclipse dialog and choosing your selection. Uh, so you can actually narrow the selection of what you're searching to just what's selected. And I, I think I'd like, really like to encourage people not to be afraid of the eclipsiness. Um, really embrace it because that's where we get a lot of stuff that really helps your development. And what's cool is I don't have to build it. It's free. So. <laughs> I guess the source control plugin is an example of that, isn't it? It's something that's come from, from you having eclipse under the covers. Exactly. Yeah, we leverage the virtual file system. We build the synchronization. And then... Because we are on Eclipse, you can use any product you want. Okay. And something while I've got you on, Maureen, and it's probably unfair to put you on the spot, but we've heard lots of talk about a Mac version of Designer over the years. Um, I, I guess work is still sort of continuing with that, and, and at some stage that will come to fruition? I would certainly hope so. Um, at the moment, I, we are not working on it at the moment. Uh, we certainly are full up with the things we're doing. It does stay on my radar. My first priority, though, is making a perfect designer on one platform. I mean, I would love to do it. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I, you know, just in terms of spending the jelly beans, um, I, I think it's more important to get source control enablement in than having a designer without that on more platforms. So it, it's a matter of balance. Um, and I mean, I'd love to do it. It would be a kick, um, but it, it's going to be a little while. Okay, so there's Mac users that still want this. Buy Marina drink at Legisphere and, <laughs> and convince her we need it. Uh, it'd be great to have it one day. Okay, and Darren, what's your tip? Uh, mine is completely non-Lotus related, but is IBM related. My 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 other job that we're getting deep into right now is IBM X Series hardware and storage. 
So there is a tool called the Standalone Solutions Configuration Tool, a.k.a. the SSCT. That is a, is a tool you can download from IBM that allows you to, to spec out any of the X-series and the entry-level storage, including blades, uh, right from your desktop, and then and then get a, a spreadsheet with what the retail pricing would be on that that you can send to a business partner and, and, and get them to, to run that for you and, and, and see what kind of real price you're going to get on the street. And it, reach, it really is an impressive product. Uh, it'll do all the checks on the hardware to make sure you know you don't have too much memory, all of, all, if you have redundant power supplies, all of that good stuff. It really is a powerful tool. And I get asked for it a lot by customers who've had it in the past but can't find the link again. So that'll be in the show notes. Wonderful. And there's been a few different versions of that over the years, isn't there? I remember an Excel spreadsheet, kind of macro-driven thing that you used to, to build those tools. And it's certainly moved on an awful lot with the SSCT. It's, it's a lot nicer environment to build those systems in. Yep. Okay, and my tip for this week is uh, another site that I run. It's uh, the Lithosphere Podcast, lithospherepodcast.com. Um, we are reviving that once again for Lithosphere uh, 2011. We're going to be doing a series of podcasts with people that are attending, that are involved in speaking and organizing Lithosphere. Um, so if, if you would like to quote, share your story about Lithosphere, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing this year. Uh, maybe something about your plans, maybe some tips to share with other people that are attending Lithosphere, maybe to get out the word about something you're trying to organize, an event or a product launch or something, then please do speak to us um, at the Lithosphere podcast. All the details are on that site as to how you might do that. Uh, we'd love to speak to you and get your story out there. Um, a second minor tip is that we've had um, some people on the show in the past to talk about IBM's external same time service allows um, business partners and customers to connect with IDMers. Um, we're going to do quite a lot of news about that next week, but it's fair to say that their server has been upgraded now to the latest version at the same time. So if you're an existing EXT ST user, you might want to uh, spend a little bit of time today or maybe on Monday just checking out that service to see what's changed. Really? Yeah, really, really. So we'll cover this in a bit more detail uh, next week, Darren, but I'm looking forward to hearing you tell me how much better it is than your previous experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go one more time around the table. Uh, I'd just like to hear uh, how do people find you on Twitter or your blog address, and it's a good chance to tell people about your site. So let's start with Sean. How do people find you? Easiest thing is just seancole.co.uk. Wonderful. Nice and straightforward. And Bruce? Uh, on Twitter, at Belgort, and uh, I would just ask Google where I am. I'm pretty much everywhere. So if you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, any of those social sites, you'll find me. You're lucky enough not to have any other famous Bruce Elgorts around the face. As far as I can see, <laughs> I Google you and it always finds you. I was thinking about changing my name to, to, to Bruce McIntyre. <laughs> to, to go, well, I won't go there. To be more, uh, to be more Scottish, but. No, it's great name. Okay, and Maureen, how do people find you? Well, on Twitter, um, at MVGirl, uh, which shows my love for Martha's Vineyard. And my blog is www.mvgirl.net. Um, I think I also have the .com version of that forwarding to .net. So that's, and I'm on LinkedIn. You can search for my name, and I'm on Facebook, too. Thank you. And Luis, how do people find you? Uh, my blog is lbenitez.com, which is L as in Larry, B as in Bravo, E-N-I-T-E-Z.com. And you'll find my Twitter and everything else from there. 
Okay, tremendous. And Darren and my details are all on the This Week in Lotus.com site, so check us out there. So um, thank you, everybody, for taking part in the podcast this week. Uh, sorry we've gone a little bit long, and I hope the quality is for listening to. Um, and please do listen again next week. Until then, ciao. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer.